You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by a check-in and my savings, your advertisement here, and my check-in and my savings, again. Uh, so, uh, as you have noticed from my intro, we are looking for a new show sponsor. Um, so if you have a company or if you just have money and you want us to say your name all the time, um, we'll talk about how cool you are. Uh, if you're actually a cool person, like we don't actually do that. Like if you're a total asshole, don't, don't even bother. But yeah. So if like, I don't know, um, like Banshee bikes tried giving us a bunch of money, then. They probably wouldn't take it, but if like AdamandEve.com want to give us a bunch of money, <laughs> I'd be all over it. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> before we get started, uh, we wanted to just go through a few quick things. Uh, like, you should go to mountainbikeradio.com, uh, go to the Just Riding Along page, and click on Support JRA. Uh, I'm assuming that most of you are listening to this when you're supposed to be working. So, uh, during those hours of work that you listen, uh, to this show. Ah, don't even get into all that. It doesn't matter. We have plenty to talk about. I have a ton of questions and like one-liners we can go through. Okay. Not to be confused with one-hitters. Sure. Whatever. But if you wanted to look awesome and be like the one-hitter quitter out on the town, you could buy Just Riding a Long Shirt from store.mountainbikeradio.com. And I do want to have a contest. Um, I did get a, I, I, I got just the new Just Riding a Long Shirt. And it's awesome, um, but the oatmeal color is lighter than I prefer. And this is totally one of those personal preferences. This is like a saddle. I mean, I can sit on a saddle and be like, this is the best thing in the world, and then Matt can sit on it and be like, this is going to break my crotch in half. Um, whatever that was. Crotch breakers. <laughs> um, it is lighter than I prefer because my... Um, my favorite sports bra that I wear all the time shows through it. Um, therefore, I need to think up of some kind of contest where one of our listeners can win a small, just-riding-along, V-neck, oatmeal-colored T-shirt. That's very limited edition. That is really limited. Like, no one else gets a V-neck T-shirt, and this one is a small. Um, so it would be really cool. I, I just thought of it. Our first female listener... Who contacts me through whatever method can be contacted. Uh, first female listener who wears a small shirt, um, which I'm about 100, but Matt looks like he's crying over there. What's wrong, Matt? I, it's, it's stupid. I found out that my package that I ordered from Amazon is being delivered via FedEx Smart Post, which is where FedEx gives oh, it to the yeah. post office. That takes forever. I don't have forever. That takes forever. I don't have forever. The dumbest thing is about to happen. So any, I would love it. I would love to give my just riding along t-shirt because we always get questions and stuff from men and I want to know if any women out there listen. So, uh, women get in touch with when me. When their husbands listen with them in the room, they do. Oh! <laughs> I'm going to punch you. Uh, <laughs> the gentlest face punch in the world. No, it wouldn't be that gentle. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, so get in touch with me. Um, info at mountainbikeradio.com, Andrea at mountainbikeradio.com, um, Brickhouse MTB on Twitter is another good one, whatever. Um, just get in touch and maybe we can work out you getting a small v neck 
oatmeal colored just riding along t-shirt. <laughs> um, That's my helicopter. What's your helicopter? Oh, oh, okay. I know what you're saying now. That that delivery that's gonna take forever is my fucking helicopter. Yeah, sometimes it's it's not forever, and sometimes it is forever. You never know. I ordered a helicopter from Amazon, and it's gonna take a long time to get here. So I'm like the saddest person in the world. I'm just gonna drink my vodka. Man, you have you have some really serious problems, here. <laughs> dude. Do you know what's going to happen if I don't get to fly an RC copter next weekend? My awesome little remote control toy is going to be a few days later than I thought. Dude, you don't realize that I spent like two and a half hours driving around Memphis trying to find one of those the other day. And I have too Are many, you serious? I have too many hundreds to fit comfortably in my wallet. <laughs> there is like a stack of money on the table yeah. right now. Man. Those are 20s. Yeah, my, my wallet doesn't fold quite right and... <laughs> Dude, you gotta admit that is a, a pretty big bummer. Like when you okay, you know what? Um, for those of you out there, a friend of mine let me play with a remote control helicopter, a quadcopter, a quadcopter the other day, and it was really fun. It was no joke, and I'm not exaggerating. It was somewhere between ten and twenty five times more fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> but it's and the, the thing that makes it so fun is it is. Flying it is just as hard as I thought it would be. It's not easier, and it's not way harder. Like, I thought it would be really hard. Like, I thought I'd be able to fly it, but not fly it well. If I were to fly that, based on what you saw me do to Kenny's remote control car the first time, he said, don't run it into a wall. And I immediately ran it into a wall. I'm, I'm pretty sure that... What would I do to it? You would fly it. <laughs> full speed, like full throttle, and when it bounced off the ceiling, you'd give it like you'd some totally, extra gas no, to make it go back up. You'd totally kill the throttle and let it fall all the way to the floor, <laughs> so it just like shattered into a million pieces. Probably. And you would like do that from the second floor over the balcony <laughs> down to the hardwood. That is pretty much what happened. Like Kenny and Matt and I, one day it was like bad weather, and, Ryan. and oh, yeah, yeah, Ryan was there. And he's like, yeah, come to this parking garage and drive remote control cars. And he, the first thing he said is, don't. He's like, oh, as long as you don't run it like full speed into a wall, it'll be fine. And like. The next thing I did was run it full speed. And I like. Seconds later, I, whisk, hear, I, I whiskey throttled it into a wall. You hear, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, really? You just ran that into the wall at, at full throttle? You didn't even lift. You just committed to the throttle. You're just like, Meh. you know, hear like that's what happened. If an electric motor could he's, bounce off the rev motor, he's not exaggerating. It, it that's was what bouncing happened. Off the rev motor. It was it was turning like 20k, and just like whack. <laughs> so this is not to get too off topic, and it's one of those things you probably had to be there for. But I had a buddy of mine, not very experienced motorcycle rider. I had, a, at the time, a fairly hot dirt bike with a built motor, and it was two-stroke, and it was vicious. Like, it was scary vicious. <laughs> Did he whistle, like, whiskey it, throttle it? It wanted to kill you at any given time. Like, once it got on the pipe, like in the power band, it just, no matter what gear you were in, it wanted to flip over backwards. <laughs> and he's in this thing, and I hear him, and he's idling around the backyard, like, me, 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 just kind of idling around, and I hear him, like, clicking in a second, like, me, 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 and I hear, wah, and then, wham! <laughs> just, I mean, it was like... It was probably only one full second of wide open throttle. I knew, 
I knew exactly what had happened. That's him. basically what I did with Kenny's remote control car. Ran, he ran it in the top of second gear into the side of the house. <laughs> like, the, like the brick house. <laughs> How much stuff did it tear up on the motorcycle? Surprisingly very little. Well, the front wheel was probably lifted off the ground yeah. at that point. <laughs> so I actually think, surprisingly enough, because of that, I think the suspension actually took a little bit of it. Because he pretty much wheelied it into a wall. So. And it was hysterical. And he was like so buried inside the motorcycle and all these shrubberies and all this stuff that like we had to like pull him out it was really funny that was like Matt trying to fall off the cliff at Slomo so so along that same line yeah so we went to Slomo let me me tell my motorcycle story first (laughs) I rode a motorcycle once um it was probably like oh and Kenny can probably help out with this the Honda 250 four stroke like dirt bike when did that get hot like there, there was a, there was a year when the four stroke two fifty became like a force to be reckoned with. Now it's probably like oh four to oh six somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. But like a buddy of mine that raced BMX, um, and he now lives with a bunch of the uh, guys that are racing in the Olympics and stuff. He's he's legit. Uh, he got a what would that be like a YZ two fifty. Um, was it was it a Yamaha? No, it was a Honda. I guess it would be a Y. Uh, it would be the CRF two fifty. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. But it was like the hot four stroke two fifty, and he got it so he could cross train on it. Well, the two stroke one, or sorry, four stroke one. Oh, okay. four stroke one. Like yeah. so, he gets it out of the garage and like he cranks it, and like I just wanted to like ride it around, right? And like he had a big field beside his house that was his land, and I was going to ride it up and down the power line and stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And I got on it. And I did kind of the same thing. Like, I did a loop in the yard, and, like, I rode away from the garage, and I went to turn around, and I was like, this thing isn't turning. It's it's weird. It's, like, not turning right. So I let off the throttle to, like, kind of look down and see what was going on, and when I let off the throttle, the front wheel touched the ground, and it started to turn, and I was like, you mean that first gear, like, eighth throttle, this thing is lifting the front wheel off the ground? And I was like... Oh, okay. And I turned it back towards Colby, and I rode it over to the house and got off of it. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm not riding this. And he's like, why? And I'm like, I I do not trust myself to ride this. Because, like, I was, like, no joke, like, eighth, third throttle at the most. And it was just, like, like lifting the front end off the ground. And I'm like, how? I don't have any good motorsport stories except that when I was probably, I don't know, like, 10 to 12 like, I was definitely not a teenager yet. I was, like, I was definitely a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to my grandmother's house, and my grandfather had a brand-new four-wheeler that was, like, automatic transmission. I mean, it was, like, the hot shit, because you just, like, twist the throttle and go. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me, let me ride it. And so I, I was riding up and down, like, this fence line. Or just like a little tree line in a wide open soybean field or something. And just making loops up and down and up and down. And every time I'm getting just like a little faster and a little faster and a little faster. And like I looked down on like the last pass that I made and I was doing like 40 something. And my dad came running out of the house and like jumped in front of me and made me stop because I scared the hell out of him. It's like, oh, <laughs> he wouldn't let me get back on it. But my my cousin just got his daughter, who's five years old, got her a full blown four wheeler. 
for for Christmas. They make uh, they make the coolest it's little pink. 50cc four wheelers. I've had more fun on those like little four wheelers. This you're not one's not that to ride. small. This one is like it's a small but can take anywhere four wheeler. Oh, it's not like a little baby one. Like it's a well. I mean, when like I say any, little baby one, anyone could ride it. Like so, you, okay. you and I, and everyone could ride it. Okay, this this is one I'm riding. This like isn't the you, one that looks like a, a gasoline powered. Power wheel. Yeah. See, I rode one of those. No, they this is like awesome. a... She's five years old, and this is a four-wheeler that I could get around, or even, like, Matt could get on and ride around on. What, what are you saying about even Matt? Are you saying I'm some big fucking ogre? You're tall. you saying my knees would be up by my ears and I look like a clown? Thanks, guys. I hate you, too. <laughs> so we should probably talk about bikes now. Yeah, whatever. So no, Matt and I... Yeah, well, I went to Silmo for um, the day after Christmas. It was Friday through... Saturday, like a week, or a few days ago. No, Sunday. Sunday. Yesterday was Sunday. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it was a weekend day, one of those days. Um, Ryan was there for a little while, and then he went home, and then Matt came out, and then I was by myself, and yeah, it was it was really nice out there, except for like all the rain. You're making what are like you? insane amounts of pencil noise right now. It's fine. <laughs> We've been told we can't make keyboard noises. No one said we can't make pencil noises. So I'm going to shade in this semicircle that I drew of my coffee cup. Ben is going to appear out and, of a cloud. Like that's actually that's annoying me over here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not the microphone, so I'm going to say that's probably something you should. Ben talk will about. appear like a ninja. You you don't understand though. Like I've already started this, and if I don't finish it, it's just going to eat me alive. Why you're going to have to do it in really quiet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while we were at Silamo, I did not have. I don't remember if I if I I had like one wreck, and it involved like not paying attention and running into. I didn't, I didn't wreck either. I was gonna say, um, my wreck was not really paying attention, and I like kind of just locked my front wheel up on a really really slippery route, and it slid out from under me. And I ended up, like, after trying to save it twice, I ended up, like, 10 feet down the trail on the side, <laughs> like, laying on my side. Matt didn't have any riding-related wrecks. Nope. Then it, you know what? This is a mountain bike show. We can't talk about it. <laughs> we don't talk about anything that doesn't talk about mountain bikes. We talk about dirt bikes, but those have wheels, so that's, like, one degree of separation. Okay. If anyone's going to tell a story, I'm going to. Well, Matt was being nice and taking a picture of me riding this technical section. Yep. So go ahead. I took the pictures, and they all sucked, by the way. And in case you want to know, all the pictures sucked, because I'm not a professional photographer. I think there was like one or two good ones. Uh, I took a really cool picture of a cactus right before that while I was waiting on Andrew to get ready. Um, and then I just belly flopped onto the ground. Like, <laughs> she rode by, and I was uh, probably 200 yards down the trail at the most as an overlook, and I was really thinking about the overlook. So I stand... Like, I was squatting beside the trail to take the photo, and I stood up, and I turned to walk towards my bike, which was up the trail and uphill, and I ice skated on this rock, like, like, no joke, I took one, two, three steps, and the third step was the doozy, and I fell, and when I landed, um, part of my leg connected with this rock, which would be more accurately described as an integral part of this mountain that was... Showing through the surface, um, 
Like It was solid. Yeah, this is the kind of rock you can't dig up. Like, if you dug all the dirt off of this rock, you would just find the mountain that we were on. Like, there is no digging up this rock. There is no moving this rock. This rock is part of the the geographical and geological formation your, your, that you were standing Your body on. is what gives, not this rock. Yep. So this rock and my shin bone really tried making friends with one another. Um, and it hurt, and I screamed a lot, and I... I made an ass of myself right there. I wasn't going to tell the part about that. Oh, I will. I'll just go ahead and embarrass myself. I screamed a lot, and uh, it hurt terribly. Like I don't get, I don't get a lot of practice in wrecking. Um, now that I've quit riding BMX, I don't really fall much. Uh, when you ride BMX, you fall all the time, and your pain tolerance kind of goes up with it. And I don't fall anymore because I don't wreck anymore because I just don't. It just. Well, and usually when you wreck, too, it's, like, really terrible. Like, you're always, you, you don't expect, that's one thing. Like, when you first start mountain biking, or really when once you've started, too, like, sometimes you wreck, and you know, like, shit's going bad, and you, you have, like, a half a second to mentally prepare that you're going to wreck. But, like, when you're really good, and you're doing something that you're really, really comfortable with, like, walking, or, like, stop doing that. Dude, that, that is so fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> if that was, like... <laughs> if you heard someone else doing that, you would flip your shit. <laughs> you would. Kitty's so good right now. <laughs> because if you heard someone else doing that, you would flip your shit. You know what? Well, I got drunk, and this is entertaining me, so... <laughs> but, yeah, like, if you're doing something that you're really comfortable with, and then it starts to go south, like it it happens faster than what you're than what you know. So what had happened was, no joke, I stood up and I made like a nearly one eighty degree turn and I started walking off and in one hand in my right hand I had my cell phone, in my left hand I had my Ziploc bag that it was going in. And I honestly was not thinking about anything other than you're putting your phone back in your bag, you're gonna walk up there and hop on your bike and ride to the overlook and like just that quickly everything went south and I you tripped and fell and hurt your. I didn't even trip though. That's the funny thing. You slid. I never got going, so I didn't fall down. You're like Scooby Doo. Yeah, exactly. Like I didn't fall down with any forward momentum. I literally fell straight down. So I went from being like six foot two to being like two foot two, like that. At at, I don't know nine point eight meters per second squared. I mean, (laughs) that's 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 how fast you accelerate due to gravity. So um, yeah. You're all busted. And it happened on the 31st, and I refused to go get stitches. Um, I, probably, I think you were okay with the butterfly well, strips. I probably could have gotten stitches, but just on principle, the fact that it was, I don't know, the 31st, and it would have went towards a deductible that wouldn't have rolled over into next year, I just I just couldn't fathom sitting in the Mountain View Hospital for hours for them to be like, yep, yeah, you're hurt, and stitch me up, and be like, that'll be $1,500. Well, and my my assessment of it was, since it was just below your knee, it wasn't on some skin that was constantly stretching and moving a lot. So it was in an area where if you put the butterfly strips on it, it was going to hold it closed. It wasn't like when I fell and busted my knee and needed stitches, it was straight in the middle of my kneecap. I mean, that was like right in the middle of the most stretchy, movable skin that's available on your legs. So, you know, like I needed stitches there because it was moving all the time. Like I couldn't have held it closed, but yours, like once you, I went home, I washed it out 
I dried it off, I put a butterfly on it, and then I jiggled it. And it didn't move independently of the two sides, so. Yeah, like it, that held it together really well. So I, I think you were okay in not getting stitches. Is Kenny playing footsie with me or is there a cat under the table? Uh, both. Hmm. <laughs> um, Kenny, do you want to talk any about what you did while you were on Christmas break? No, I just went to, took a road trip to California. Yeah. Hung out with family. That's about it. Well, y'all drove out there? Yeah, I drove. Wow. You drove the Civic? Uh, I rented a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> Did you turn the traction control off? Yes. <laughs> I knew it. Yes. And Priuses will go 112 miles an hour, if you're curious. Just J- just, just JRA? Did you drive both ways? Yeah. How long were you gone? Mm, a little over a week. How long did it take you to get there? Two or three days? Three days. Okay. Yeah, so it was six days in the car total. It was 4,100 miles. Usually, like, if I'm taking I-40... What all did the you way. average mileage? Uh, what do you mean, like, per day? No, miles per gallon. Oh, miles per gallon. Uh, like, 43? Even though you were doing 112. Well, I didn't do 112 the whole time. But you did most of the time. No, no. I mean, we went... Well, uh, once you get out west, some of the speed limits are 75, which well, means you can 80, go... It's 80 in a lot of places. Oh, wow. I've never seen an 80 sign. Yeah, in a lot of places in Texas, and I think in... Because I know Interstate Mexico, 40... Uh, there's a lot of 80. Okay, because Interstate 40 at 75 mm-hmm. all the way through, like, through Amarillo and everything. There was actually this one, like, tiny-ass little road. It was, like, this really tiny highway, and it was, like, kind of sketchy, and, like, the pavement wasn't that good, and it was 80 mile an hour speed. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I was actually, like, 80, 80 was about as fast as I wanted to go. <laughs> so well, maybe it's one of those things where, ah, never mind, that's the wrong. <laughs> I don't know, like, my dad always told me that in, like, in Montana, like, that was one of the first places, I guess, to raise the speed limit up, and he's like, well, they just do it so they don't have to write as many tickets, because people, there are so few people out there that they just let them go that fast anyway. Well, I mean, it's just, uh, everyone's going to argue it, and, like, it's very obvious that you go faster, and, like, you're more likely to be in a deadly accident. Like, that's not, that's something that's difficult to prove, but... Like, does it really matter in the end? Because people are kind of going to go as fast as they want to go and they feel comfortable going. But, like, cars have gotten so good and tires have gotten so good that, like, you know, seriously, in that little, it was a 2014 Prius. Going 100 miles an hour, like, you kind of don't even realize you're going 100 miles an hour. It's just, like, pretty quiet and smooth and, like, you can still turn and brake and, like, everything's fine, so. I drove my boss's uh, 2015 GMC Denali to uh, Denver. And if I had one of those, I would drive 90 miles an hour everywhere. I would drive 90 miles an hour on Germantown Parkway. I would drive 90 <laughs> miles an hour on, like, Brother Boulevard. Like, I would either be on the mat or on the brake everywhere in that truck. Like, you... seriously, it's just right. ridiculous. Do we have um, Do we have a listener email question to go over? Uh, we had a couple of uh, Twitter questions we can go over. Let's go over those, and then I want to talk about uh, the lawsuit lady. After... The questions. Okay, so we're gonna make people listen to this show. <laughs> Coming up later in our episode, exactly, we'll weigh in on the woman who is suing the promoter of a race where she injured herself during a pre ride. But for now, we'll tune into a couple of Twitter questions that we received over the last couple of weeks and haven't addressed in recent episodes. There you go. Uh, big liver sent in a question. Uh, well, they don't count. 
They do count. <laughs> okay. He's not drunker than I am. You don't know that. I do. Because I'm pretty drunk. It okay. hurts. Uh, what is the most hated training ride that we do? Um, I don't really... That's a weird question, but I figured we would try to answer it. Um, I have I have input, but you guys go. No, you first. Well, I mean, I want to enjoy what I'm doing all the time. Like, I purposely try to mix it up. There are things that I know are going to, like, hurt a little bit, if you will. But I will never, on purpose, make a ride that I think is going to be miserable. Because, like, why would you want to do that? And it's different for somebody who's, like, pro and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's also different if you have, like, a coach handing you stuff down. But, like, I just try to mix it up. Like, sometimes I go, I'm going to go do intervals. And I'll just do intervals. Like, I'll kind of have a plan, but I'll just do them until, like, I just absolutely can't do them anymore. But I don't want to do anything that's miserable. Like, if if something sounds like an awful ride or an awful thing to do on a ride, I just won't do that. I mean, But like, on the other hand, usually when it's something that you suck at, like, intervals, for instance, like, my worst, I hate... 20-minute intervals so much. Well, I think everybody hates 20-minute intervals because uh, that's, like, the hardest like, thing to do. There's no, some, no, I'll there's be some. honest. I'm, like, as far as intervals go, like, I know it's easy to say, like, because we're on the air. Like, I love them. But actually, like, me and 20-minute intervals, we get along like peanut butter and jelly. Like, okay. Well, I guess that's I I hate 20-minute intervals. It's, like, the hardest thing for but me. But you know why? It's because I suck at 20-minute intervals. Yeah. I mean, So you know what I need to do the most of? 20-minute intervals. Yeah, because the thing that I do very poorly at, if, if I have to do a top-tier effort for 20 minutes, that's probably the worst thing that I could do. Like a 10-minute thing, I can actually go do that because it's just, for me, that's like a mountain bike time trial or whatever, an enduro stage. Like that's something that's very doable because I can keep myself entertained for like 10 minutes, but 20 and 30 minutes is pretty tough. Yeah, your brain starts getting to you for yeah, a while. Yeah, you play a lot of mental games. And that's where... <clears throat> Uh, if you want to, you can go back and listen to the last eight stations interview with uh, Chris Saucer. Uh, they talk a little bit about power meters, and it's really interesting that Chris. I would think you'd be horrible at twenty minute intervals. Me? Yeah, you'd be playing like brain chess, like Matt brain chess, like. <laughs> and you, know, you, know, you start like bargaining with yourself and all this stuff. Like you're talking Matt about brain chess, thinking about selling your bike and. Matt Brain That's the scariest game I've ever heard of. Is Matt Brain Chess. Dude, but the thing you don't understand is like there's a number that I know I can hit for 20 minutes and like, But what are you going to do when you can do better than that? Then I'll increase that number in my brain. That's that's the bottom line. Like for me, 20 minutes is one of the most constant numbers I can hit. It's going to be between like A and B. And I'm going to go that What, far. you don't want to tell people what it it's is? Gonna be, it's gonna I be, need to do that, man. I'm just going to be like, you can do 100 watts for 20 minutes. I, mean, I hope you fine. can. <laughs> well, yeah, I always win. It's well, awesome. But for me, I know that my my best 20-minute <laughs> effort ever is uh, like 303 or 307. So for me, there's no reason I can't do 300 for 20 minutes. Like, And if I can't, like... You say, like, Matt and Rain Chess, but, like, the amount of shit-talking and, like, bullshitting and just absolute, like, slut-shaming degradation that goes on in my brain, like, is unbearable. Like, for me, it comes down to the best intervals I do are 20-minute intervals where I'm on the road, where I have a little bit to play with. So, 
if I have a 20 minute interval where I have to slow down for a corner, like, uh, you're going, you're going south on this road, you're going to turn west onto another road and you have to let off. So then I get to do 400 for a minute to get back up to 300. Like for me, that's like money. Cause I do 400 and like, I'm like, Ooh, that really hurt. And then 300 doesn't hurt so bad. So like, then I can just like park it at 300 again. And it's, it's pretty good. You know, 270 to 300, I can knock that out for 20 minutes, just, just about any time I want to. Um, and it's, it's really good. It's something that I have a lot of fun with. And it's one of those things there's, I've accidentally, um, I mean, there's some longer Strava stuff in town. There's like one long Strava segment that I know of. It's like nine minutes. And was it one that I made? Uh, it's, it's the entire Monterey Road. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's, that's one that I had for a long time because of that, because you can just like go do, I mean, it's not very often that people go hard for more than 45 seconds or two minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's dumb. Like there are a bunch of like 30 second Strava segments around here. So one day I got kind of like this bug to every time I, I had like, I did a ride and there was a good long, like uninterrupted place where you could go hard. I would make that into a Strava segment. So I have, I think there's actually one that's from Eads, Tennessee to Oakland. I mean, it's like 45 minutes or something, but there's maybe one stop sign in all of it. And it's one that's a back road, like back country. You might see a car one time while you're out on the whole thing type of thing. So, yeah. For me, that's, that's something I really like. I actually do like 20 minute intervals. For me, it's really hard to do five minute intervals. Uh, the other thing is I have this thing called, and I don't know how true it is, but I'm okay with plus or minus 10%. So if I'm trying to do 300, I'm cool as long as I'm doing 270 to 330. Uh, but when you're doing those harder intervals, uh, your plus or minus 10 becomes a little bit more, I don't know, caustic is the right way to put it. It's a little more volatile. Like if you're trying to do 500, like 450 to 550, that's a really big range, but still I have a hard time dialing it in. So it's hard for me to, and if your interval's only a minute long, how are you really going to get ramped up and get settled in? And then get that interval. Well, that's why power out. meters are so useful, even though they're pretty <laughs> stochastic. I know stochastic means they're calm. What's up? No, so they're volatile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, but for me, like if I'm trying to set, you, stochastic would mean that it's it's like set, like or what's non, the, non-volatile. What's the opposite of stochastic? Volatile. I know there's okay. I don't know. Yeah, we'll say volatile. We all know that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> But for me, like a one non-stochastic, minute, a one-minute interval is very hard to settle into because it's only a minute. Whereas, like for me, like, that's like go and survive. See, yeah. that's why I like the one-minute interval. I enjoy, I really enjoy one-minute intervals. I really do because I can like you just push everything you have into it, and it's like I don't know. I think that's kind of fun because you don't have to like you don't even have time for the pain to really set in you really just do all that <laughs> you're not doing it right then you do all it that should you're... be the longest minute well, right, of your no, life. don't get me wrong well, it's not the... that it doesn't hurt it's that i can just push through it because it's like you know it's more exciting because you're going faster and like it feels to me that it's more like an all muscle thing than it is well but then the big problem you know, comes a mental in thing. With, without a power meter your heart rate doesn't respond in a in a very Fast and reliable. And that doesn't mean that doing a one minute all out effort isn't good for you and it doesn't make you faster. You just don't have like, if you do that today, you don't have a way of gauging your improvement over two months from now. See, I think it just depends on how you set the bar for what you consider is good or bad. And that can determine if you like or hate a workout. So again, I try to purposely not 
be too structured. I like to go in with an idea of what I want to do. So say that I haven't done a cross-country pace for a while. I'll say I'm going to go out and do one <coughs> roughly one-hour lap at some local trail and just go as hard as I can. Because it brings in a lot of things, you know, it's your cornering and it's, you know, being smooth and being fast everywhere, but also just putting down your max fitness as well. So I'll do that and then go do one minute intervals and then go do a bunch of long hills and then just, I try to mix, I try to Where do you find long hills around here? I don't know, you turn around and you go back down and back up again. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Either way, I try to like purposely not do that because that's what makes me mad. When I go out with people and they want to do like this unbelievably specific workout like as a group well you can't do that as a as a group like anyone who has a workout to follow you can't ride with it unless you just like specify ahead of time hey guys when we get to here i've got this workout and if you guys don't want to participate this is what i'm going to be doing and i'll meet up with you later well i don't mind doing that like when we do when we do team ride stuff for example what? Oh my God! You got kudos on Strava while we're sitting here on the show talking about training. Oh my God! Yeah, wow, right? The internet uh, is sucking you. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't mind. Tra- I like training with other people. I think it's fun. You can't do it all the time, and there's specific workouts that just aren't going to tailor themselves well to that. But I don't mind going out with people who are of like fitness and like ability, and saying like, "All right, let's go hammer. Let's kind of do a race sim, hammer a, ra- a lap as hard as we can." Well, yeah, I mean, that's different. Because it's fun, you know, you get to follow people, and then, like, you know, there's also some, there's some area in there, too, where it's, like, you know, you can kind of, if you're just dying halfway through, like, hopefully the guy in the front might realize it a little bit, and if he's not super tied to that exact workout, he can kind of, you know, back off a few percent and let you kind of get back where you're riding together, and there's this kind of fine balance between everybody getting the workout they want and... Also, Maybe. keeping everybody happy and entertained and all that stuff. Well, yeah, so. I mean, but that's why if you really have a specific workout that you have to follow, like, just don't, you don't ride with the group. Yeah. I, I just think that you can, you can specify workouts to your downfall. Like, if you, if you get too crazy about it, you're eventually going to find something that pisses you off and then it's going to, you know, it's kind of, kind of like eat you. So, I don't know. The way I look at it, and again, I'm not, I mean, that's the I'm thing, not a though. professional like, cyclist. When you, yeah, like when you figure out if, like, if you're trying to be like one of the fastest people that you know, when you find something that you suck at, like something that does just eat at you, like that's when you're like, this is what I've got to turn this from being what I suck at and what what just pisses me off. This has got to be what I'm the best at. But if you suck at something royally, <laughs> and you just keep doing that, then like, guess what? You're probably never going to be like. You probably need to figure something else out. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I was talking okay. like fitness wise. Like, like, guess what? Like me and my build and what I'm good at. Like, I probably wouldn't be a very good BMX racer, and I probably never would be. So, like, dude, you want to hear I, some really cool BMX stats? I probably shouldn't do that, right? Those guys in their first like three pedal strokes, the gate snap. Yeah. So, like, from the watch the light, do do do, yeah, the gate fall. Uh huh. The first three pedal strokes are all like 2,000 plus watts. Yeah. See, like, I know without a doubt that but physiologically, until the end of time, I could not. Your hands do that. are way too pretty to You couldn't race BMX at the elite, elite level. Exactly. But, but this is what's really cool. Um, this is probably, I want to say, five years ago. They, when power meters, I mean, five years ago, power meters were becoming much more, I guess you could say, uh, mainstream. Mainstream, affordable. They rigged up, they got a bunch of BMX power meters, which I can only assume was like a power tap wheel laced into a BMX wheel or a power tap laced into a BMX wheel. 
and they tested a bunch of guys. And they were like, you realize you could be like Olympic track racers very quickly. And unanimously, all these guys were like, you mean you want me to ride around on a wooden NASCAR track? You're an idiot. That is so boring. That is the (laughs) dumbest thing I've ever heard. And what I'm saying is right now, there's a ton of BMX guys that could become amazing track racers. But it's boring to them. They don't want to do it. So you're saying you do what you think is fun because you want to have fun riding bikes. Yeah, because what I want to do is I want to do what I perceive as fun to the best of my ability. That's what I want to do. And, like, you know, I understand there's obviously, you know, at some point you have to train through weaknesses and everything. But, I mean, you need to, if you're not generally having fun, then you're probably doing something wrong. It's, that's the way I look at it. I mean, other people will be different and... uh yeah, that's really all I have to. So that's a really long that. answer for for Big Liver's question, but maybe a different way to answer that here is we got talking about power meters and intervals. Is uh, unfortunately in Memphis it's very flat, so we don't have this ride that's like the Big Dick Hill ride where you go out and you do the seven big climbs in one ride, and it's like a ninety mile loop, like or it's the 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 super super D climber special where you like park at this certain trailhead and you ride all the way up to the other trailhead where you normally park and then you do like four laps of the course and then like descend back down on the downhill course on your mountain bike or your cross country bike. Like we don't get that because we don't have any of that. We don't have hills in Memphis. We don't have uh, anything really. And that's a really interesting thing. If you want to listen, listen, I would really recommend you listen to that uh, last aid station episode with Chris Saucer. I listened to it on, Saturday when I was doing some housework and it was it was just really good and one of the interesting things is is that even though Chris is a sponsored athlete and he has a very good relationship with Specialized he doesn't have a power meter on his mountain bike he doesn't race with one like he's a professional rider with multiple World Cup and uh, uh, national titles and he doesn't have a power meter on his mountain bike but the flip side is is like he'll go out and ride his enduro bike all day, but he'll put in the work by like on four of the big climbs, he'll do like intervals. But if you don't have climbs, you can't do intervals. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Like you can know it takes me this long to get up a climb. Like Silmo. Most of the, like the gravel road climbs are about 10 to 15 minutes. You can even say like eight to 15 minutes. Because if you're really hauling ass up some of them, they're eight minutes. But about 10 to 15 minutes. And you can say, like, I want to do 10-minute intervals. And instead of saying, I want to do 10-minute intervals, you go and you find three climbs. And you go as hard as you can up those three climbs. And you don't worry about how long it takes you because it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 minutes. So, I mean, that's, a, that's really interesting to me is, like, here in town, um, and there's a guy that used to live in Memphis that has now moved to Denver. And he owns uh, now two bike shops in Denver. He, Cycleton. Yeah, uh, Cycleton Bike Shop. Uh, Russ Griffin, the owner of that, he started with his Denver shop, and they now have the Littleton shop. Um, or it might be a Littleton and then East Denver. It doesn't matter. But uh, they, he said that he used to have to just stare at his power meter all the time. And now if he wants to do, like, big work, he just goes out and does a huge ride and, like, puts in a bunch of big climbs, and it's a huge ride. Like, it's not like... 
I'm going to go ride and stare at my power meter. It's like he goes and rides, and at the end, he looks and sees what his power meter says. Yeah. So I mean, this, is, this is good, because this is kind of what I was getting at. Like, you can still have these good workouts, but if you get too particular about things or things are too boring, that's what's going to, like, eat at you. So you can have just as an effective workout doing something that's not, hey, do 300 watts for 10 minutes or whatever it is. If you just say, go... You know, you can, but I think that that really specific workout, like if you are, if you're trying to be, if it's trying to be the difference in like a minute over a hundred mile race, like some, you know, like pro level stuff is, um, you have to get in that stuff that sometimes just sucks and your motivation isn't that like, this is fun. Your motivation turns into like, you think about when you've won and when you've lost and how this is going to make a difference. And that's what makes it worthwhile and worth the pain and the effort. Well, and that's actually Chris's point was, and I mean, you should go listen to it to get the full gist, but it's pretty much like when asked if he had a power meter on his mountain bike, he's like, I can just go do big. I can just put in the hard efforts. Yeah. And the point that I think Andrew and I are making is like, you don't get those those hard efforts. You have to make a much more conscious decision to do them here where there aren't any big climbs or anything. Right. And you can even say within two hours of Memphis, yeah. you don't have those those pretty solid... You could even say three hours. I mean, because when we went to... The day after I hurt my leg, like, it was still... Reflecting on it, it's pretty obvious that I severed a nerve or damaged Something. a nerve. So it was numb. Um... There's, there was a lot of numbness in my knee. So the next day, we went out and put in maybe not the most solid, but I think it was a pretty solid ride where yeah. we did a good bit of climbing. We did about 3,000 feet of climbing and 20 miles of riding. Um, but Sunday, I, like, canceled my trainer ride. Like, I was riding in the rollers, and I was like, nope, not doing it. Because, like, all the feeling is coming back and, like, the knee hurts a lot. And I was just like, you know, it's January. There's no reason to push through something that hurts. It's not like I'm trying to tune up for a race next weekend. So, um, yeah. Unfortunately, Big Livers, we don't have a most hated train ride because there's not really... All of the rides in Memphis suck. <laughs> you can say that. Um, uh, what do we have another Twitter question to get to briefly, or is it a long one? Um, well, y'all can't answer this question, so I'll answer it pretty quickly. Micah Gordon asked about roller pain. Uh, what's your favorite position for riding on the rollers? And, um, I don't think Kenny rides rollers. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. I rode a roller once. It was yeah, fun. me too. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, I it's I like one of those things where most people, like, you do it just to say, like, yeah, I can ride rollers. Yeah. And, for me, um, I think riding rollers feels much more natural than riding the trainer. When I ride the trainer, I don't feel good. I don't feel like I can make very much power. I don't feel like, or let me rephrase that. I don't feel like I can make the power numbers that I want to make without this general overall bodily discomfort. Um, mm. It feels very unnatural. It feels so good. So um, what I do is I ride the rollers mostly and anything under probably 400 watts I can do on the rollers. Um, so to kind of answer Micah's question, uh, if you're uncomfortable on the rollers, more than likely you're uncomfortable on your bike. I'm really comfortable on them. Um, I can ride on the rollers. Uh, I mean, you've done like, you did like 
you took my surly, didn't you? And like did the jump on and pedal and then jump off. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't going to get into all that. Okay. But yeah, well, I think he was more talking about just like long term positioning on the bike and having right. like the proper bike fit and you know. Yeah, like if you have problems with your bike gonna fit, say, they're going to show up when you're riding indoors because you don't move. Well, that and that's what I was going to say is like I'm very comfortable on the rollers. Um, so if you're not comfortable on the rollers, there's a good chance that your bike just overall isn't comfortable. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if it's fit right, after a while, stuff's just, like, if you don't move, stuff's just going to fall asleep. The other thing I was going to say is, like, if you're not very good at riding the rollers, unfortunately, riding the rollers isn't going to be good for you. Um, I'm good enough at riding the rollers as I can can ride the rollers no-handed, and I can type text messages on my phone and change Pandora stations and look up stuff on Spotify or start a new, like... Pull up a certain playlist on Spotify. Um, and the other thing I can do is I can ride um, out of the saddle. So, you know, I might do some interval and then, like, chill out for a minute and then stand up and, like, pedal out of the saddle on the rollers for a minute and then sit down and chill for another minute and then do my next interval. So if you're, if you're forced to park and fixate and, like, totally death grip and just be like, yeah, like, time. that's kind of how I am. Like, if I get on the rollers, I can ride rollers. And I can, I mean, I can get on and, like, ride the rollers for half an hour and not fall off. But I don't enjoy that half hour. If you can't get on the rollers and, like, one-handed, like, wrap along to, like, riding spinners or something, like, <laughs> there's a good chance that you're not, in my opinion, which is a very limited and uh, biased view, you're not, you're not comfortable enough on the rollers to get some real work on the rollers. Um, I had a guy text me recently and he's like, is this a good deal on rollers? And it was like a Craigslist ad. And I'm like, well, the bigger question is, can you ride rollers well enough to get a workout? Because there is a big difference between riding the rollers as an accomplishment and riding the rollers as a workout. And I feel that I'm well into that as a workout area of my ability to ride the rollers. I, I would assume that Micah is probably okay with rollers. Well, I don't know. That's just I would too, but I'm trying to give this a little more, like, if I just wanted to answer yeah, Micah, yeah, I, I would have, like, tweeted back to him and been, like, on the hoods. Because that's where I ride 90% of my miles. That's where I ride on the rollers is I ride on the hoods. I never touch the drops in the rollers. I'm either on the hoods. Um, I would say I spend about 90% of the time on the hoods. I spend about 2% of the times on the tops and about 8% of the times not touching the barge with either hand. So, um, and even though they're, they're made for balance and stuff, when I ride the rollers, if I do an interval, I usually touch something when I'm not doing an interval. So when I'm doing like 80 watts between intervals, I usually touch like the bicycle repair stand with one hand and, and, but at the same time, I'm touching nothing with the other hand. I'm, I'm usually just like sitting up, touching the work. Kind of hand. relax your core a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. And then um, for a mini segment that we should start, and we'll bring this back every week or on all weeks that are needed. Uh, Jake Davidson. <laughs> the Jake Davidson segment. Uh, the how much 
hate do we have for Jake Davidson this week is uh, he says if you pedal the trainer. I only have like 5% hate for him. This When he said this, I had like 25% hate for him. If you pedal the stationary trainer backwards fast enough, time will flow backwards. Um, and with that statement, I hated Jake Davidson about 25% of my hate. Kenny, so, do you think that that's true? Only thing I know about is underwater rollers because we, we talked about that one time. Did we really? Yeah. It was something about like... I don't know. What did we talk about? Maybe like simulating riding in the rain or something stupid. I don't remember what it was. Or maybe <laughs> Set it was a like sprinkler with your rollers. Creating the proper amount of drag with the rollers, maybe? Like you're talking about putting a towel under it or something. I think that's well, what yeah, it that's, was. So at one point I was riding uh I was riding twenty threes or twenty fives. Uh that was my tire size. And then my maximum chain ring size was a fifty. So fifty eleven. I was spinning out. Um but I think that's when I said you should do it in a pool. Right. Yeah. So right now I'm riding uh, 700 by 28s, and they're they're a tire with like a a tread pattern. They have like a. It's a little diamond shaped, isn't it? No, it's like a knurling almost. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a a reverse golf ball. Like they have little nipples all over the tires. Um, and a 700 by 28, and that Hutchison, what is it? A refuse. What is it's it? a Maxxis Refuse. Max, Maxxis Refuse 28 at 100 PSI. Like, I haven't ran out of gear yet, even going up to, like, 400 watts. So, that's a pretty good setup. But I'm running a 52 chain ring now. So, a 52, I think to do my, like, 300 watt interval that I was doing this weekend was, like, 52, probably, like, 16 or 17, something like that, at 100 watt. or 100 So, why are we talking about Jake Davidson? RPM? Because if you pedal a trainer backwards, it doesn't make time flow backwards, and you're a dork. We hate you. Well, we know that he's a dork. It doesn't matter. He's a geologist. Dork. All right. Is that it for listener Twitters? So. Listen, okay. List, listen twits. Listen twits. <laughs> okay, so this is something that this morning, after watching the, like, 10th person on Facebook repost the link to the Pink Bike article, It's a Motherfucking Mountain Bike. I just, I, I gotta say something. Um, so, if you haven't heard, if you've been under a rock, there is a woman uh, in Oregon who, while she was pre-riding a Super D course... Um, is, that, is that code for anything sexual? or is that- Nope, it's nothing at all. That means that it was a... Kind of like the way I see Super D is it's like a cross-country course where it's mostly downhill, but not all. Shouldn't be anything super crazy downhill. Super D, not like, super crazy downhill. Yeah, like it should I be. I would imagine it, would it be, should be like a mostly downhill cross country course. It should be one step back from an enduro stage. Right. So this woman was pre riding a course who earlier in the uh, earlier before the the course was open, uh, there had been a storm. And it knocked a lot of trees down. And according to what she was told, the course had been cleared of trees. However, there was a tree that was too large to clear. And the race promoter, um, instead of anything else, whatever, um, piled dirt up in front of the tree and made it into a jump. And when she was pre-riding, she uh, could not see that it was a jump and 
it was too late to do, you know, to take evasive measures, and she went off of it and broke her neck. Um, and is suing the race promoter because of that. Um, now, first off, um, yeah, first off, before we even talk about this woman, um, insurance companies sue people. I don't know how many people on the internet who are making all these really terrible comments about this woman. I don't know if they've ever been in real accidents. Well, the other... But, uh, no, the first thing that happens, you go to the emergency room. Within a couple of weeks... But your insurance company doesn't sue for pain and suffering, to my knowledge. They do. Mine did. Okay. See, I didn't realize So, like, when I got hit by the car... I'm not saying that... Someone else's insurance won't pay for your pain and suffering. Right, right. Well, that's saying, that's what it was. Like, okay, see, so that's different. No, no, see, that's very different. But you're, the first thing your insurance your company does, your health insurance provider isn't going to say you have pain and suffering. I'm going to go after this other insurance company for pain and suffering now. Right, but what happens is an insurance company, your insurance company, sends you a letter saying how did you get hurt, and pretty much they want to know who's responsible for this. Sure. And in this case, what everyone is missing, first off, the people that are just coming right out and saying, like, either sexist comments or comments where they're like, oh, roadie needs to get back on the road, you guys can just fuck right off. If you make this a gender thing or, like, a bike handling thing or whatever. Should they fuck right off or should they fuck right off out the door? They can just fuck right off wherever they want to fuck right off. Like, if you want to just, like, be like, oh, this woman needs to, because she's a woman, she sucks at mountain biking, and she needs to stop being a stupid bitch who can't handle a mountain bike. You Did can, you actually read that? Yes. Oh, wow. I have I have read the comment sections. Oh, God. Don't well, ever okay. read Okay, never read the comment sections <laughs> on the internet. Everybody knows that. Like, you it's going to lead you nowhere you good. our show is like an hour of comments, right? Like, we're the worst people. We are the comment section. But there are there are a limited but significant number of people out there that are blaming this on her being a woman or her being a roadie. And I just want to flip this for a second. On, I mean, the woman thing, you can just fuck right off. Um, but the roadie thing, let me flip this for a second. Imagine that you are a really good mountain biker. And you're like, you know, just a little extra challenge. I want to ride on the road. I want to do some road races because they're hard. And they are. And you're so fit that you blow through Cat 5 and Cat 4 and Cat 3, and you're just, like, winning everything because you're so strong, you can just ride right off the front and win. But then you get to one the Pro 1-2 races, and you're racing people that are as good fitness-wise as you, but guess what? They're better than you at road racing because there is a skill to road racing, and when you finish a race and you didn't just blow everyone's doors off and you kind of sucked it up and finished mid-pack, they come up and they're like, what are you doing, mountain biker? Why don't you go back and get on the trail? Why don't you go be a mountain biker somewhere? You know what? That's kind of the same thing. It's like there's a little bit of a skill to learn there. So don't don't be an ass like that. Well, it obviously doesn't have anything to do with what form of racing she previously did or and she's, I'm a, guessing, she's a man or a woman or a midget or a whatever. I don't care. But, I mean, if you just have to look at it kind of... I'd, I've tried to look at this thing objectively. Here's the problem about this whole thing is that none of us were actually there. Right, right. None of us actually saw... I'm sure other people have. But we have not seen in person 
what this obstacle looked like, what it looked like before it, what it looks like after it. We weren't there in person to hear exactly what came out of the mouth of the race promoter or other people that were involved in the race that could be considered, quote, responsible, right? Because I don't know if all, like, the race promoter's lackeys said, like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's perfectly clear. You don't have to worry about anything. Just go hammer the whole thing. Put your head down, and you're going to be fine. That's I have what no I've, idea what And you know said. what? That's what I've gained from this, from... I mean, I, there's not a lot out there. There's well, this like is why, one this is article. why the Ferguson thing gets blown out of proportion, right? Because nobody, oh my God. nobody. Oh my knows. God, we just went there. Who cares? Yeah. Of course, we're going there. It's about because people are like, oh, they, okay. I, so I know the what truth happened. is somewhere in the middle. Of we can it all. Is. I think all three of us can agree that the truth is somewhere in the middle. But yes, sheep. Well, you believe the truth is in the middle. <laughs> but you what I whatever the media wants to tell you, sheep. What I'm gonna. What I want to say is that for all we okay, think about it this way. So there's that part on the orange trail at Silmo. Well, hold on, hold on. By the way, I beat your I beat your time going down that section of orange trail by like five seconds. Which section of the orange trail? It's like the last downhill before you get to Old Highway Five. I, it's mostly straight and has like a few of those old dips in it. Okay, I didn't know that was a segment, but I, now I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> well, you you were talking about last time we were there. You're like we went irresponsibly fast down this. For the conditions, absolutely. It was like. All leaves and like it was that was a horrible idea. But anyway, so okay. you know, there's a section of this trail that both of us know pretty well where you can go irresponsibly fast. So let's say that the week before Silmo's Revenge, there was a storm, blew some trees down, and you get to the start line or you or whatever, like you. Well, Whatever, you talk to, hold on, you talk to someone involved with the race ahead of time. Who says? Why are you trying to? Why are you trying to get all my money? Now I'm just trying to count that money, man. Fifty. It's a pretty serious stack. I'm sorry. You get 50. to some. You talk to someone ahead of your pre ride that says, "Yeah, we cleared all those trees that fell down," and so you go to this section where you're used to riding 900 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, there's. Think about that section of trail. How fast it is. Think about if there was a jump there, and you didn't know about it. How fast you would be going when you hit that. You would die, most likely. Like, you would hurt yourself. It would be too late because you'd be going too fast. How do you not know that that's what... This this woman's 40 years old. 40-year-old women are wise enough. This was not her first rodeo. I can tell you that. Like, I'm, I'm going to blow past saying I'm going to assume this and say I know in the brain of a 40-year-old woman, she's not going to be totally unfamiliar with some sort of terrain and just blow down it like there's no tomorrow. Unless she... I mean, what if it's something she rides all the time? She's familiar with it, and then someone's like, yeah, we we cleared it. It's cool. And then all of a sudden, she's faced with this thing that she can't slow down enough to not hurt herself. I think the way we need to look at this whole thing is, since we weren't there, you can obviously... Right, well, I mean, you can speculate. I can 100% well, see can both you, sides. I can give you some good speculation. Because this did happen at a race that Kenny and I... On a much smaller scale, this happened to Matt at a cyclocross race. Yeah, so if you go back in time a long, long way back... Like two the, years ago. One of the first like real episodes we were doing, when I broke my cross frame and hit my face on the ground, I rode on to the... Like, I had seen this item... On the course. Like this, a gravel mound. Sure. And I saw it, and I was like, shit. Like, I used to race BMX. I raced BMX for years. Dark dirt is soft dirt, okay? Like, 
where in the South there's no loamy soil, like dark dirt is softer. And I saw this pile, and to me it looked dark. So I like warmed up on the trainer, and I go tearing off on the course, and I saw this, and I was like, oh! And I put in like another pedal stroke, and I hit it, and I got airborne and hit my face on the ground. And I like scorpioned out on the ground and hit my face, my, so I cut my upper and lower lip, my chin, my, uh, my throat, my Adam's apple is pretty big and it got, it got scuffed up on the like ground. Like the tops of your wrists. Uh, my collarbone, my ribs, and the tops of both wrists, right? Like I very easily could have broken my back there on something that in my mind, I will go to my grave thinking it looked like I needed to go that fast to comfortably crest the top of it to where like when I I was doing that so I didn't have to like... But what are you saying in that situation? Okay, that it was just your fault what and you just misjudged something? No, like what we're saying... Problem? No, what but, we're no, saying no, 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 is that... No, no. There should never be something in a cyclocross course where if you crest the top of it going two miles an hour too fast, you land fucking flat. That's, that's fucking cyclocross. And right, and that's what I was going to say but, is promoters... Hold on. My other point that I wanted to make is Kane and I both went to a race this year where the person stood at the start line and told us they cleaned every tree off of the course except for trails X and Y. And that is a fucking lie. Because I rode the trail a couple of days before and there was no trees down on any trail except for trails X and Y. Right? And then the other part of it is there was still trails or trees down on trails A, B, and C. So fuck everybody. And and what I was gonna say is, okay, maybe I'm not gonna say she should or shouldn't be because it it is like mountain biking is an inherently dangerous activity, and I'm not going to disagree with that. But sometimes promoters do really stupid shit. Well, sometimes it's. It's different when it's and it's, it's not it's and it falls outside and, and it falls outside of the realm of mountain biking is dangerous. It's that you know you're expecting mountain biking to be dangerous in this way, but then all of a sudden there is this man-made obstacle that may or may not be hard to see as you're approaching it, and you get hurt on it. You know that's in that gray area of yes, it is mountain biking and it's dangerous, but also, that was kind of dumb to do that. Well, I'm not trying to get on race promoters because, like, guess what? If somebody doesn't take the initiative and the huge amounts of time and money and responsibility, obviously, as we're talking about, there will be no races. But all you would have to do in that situation, and, and once again, we don't know that this didn't exist, but I'm assuming there was no sign. Like, you know, like, if you see, like, the white placard with three black arrows, what does that mean? Wait, 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 wait. If you're, riding, with... if you're riding down a trail and all of a sudden you see this thing on a tree and you can't see over the edge, like the lip. Oh, it and means it's... it's a drop. Yes. Right. What? That's like universe. Your cat just <laughs> fell off that into the water. <laughs> Good. Which cat was that? I think it was Chunky. No. <laughs> yeah. She's a sweet kitty. That was hilarious. Is there like a big water splash everywhere now? Yeah, it is. But yeah, like that's universal language for be careful, there's something here. Yeah, I, I agree. And you put that out there. Like, that's what I'm saying is I'm, we weren't there, so we don't know. But 
I'm just going to throw it out there that there probably wasn't a sign there indicating that there was some sort of a thing that you had to watch out for. And that thing you had to watch out for wasn't there and wasn't expected and wasn't highly visible. But of course, again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm trying to think of all the different angles. So what if the race promoter really truly wanted to clear all the trees? And then he's got people helping him do it because one man can't necessarily do everything, right? Right. So he has his buddies, his helper group, and he and it's like, all right, let's go, let's let's cut all the trees and clear them. And his crew does that, and they come back and they say, like, are all the trees taken care of? And everyone goes, yeah, yeah. yes, they're all taken care of, which means in this case, they were all cut except one which was too large, so they just, like, built onto it. I, I mean, I don't know. The problem is we just have no Yeah, I mean, we, we no can't clue. argue the specifics. We but, have no clue what happened. But all of the, there are so many people that are so hostile that are like, she needs to be banned from no, all I think it's future stupid. races. It's stupid because like, we don't know until. And there's that whole, like a whole article on pink bike, like, you get hurt mountain biking, so quit being a pussy. Like, shut up. You know, like you're not in this woman's shoes. There are a lot of situations and I can see it happening because it's also very easy, I think, as a race promoter. To be kind of bro about the situation, like knowing that there's something sketchy and just kind of throwing everybody at it just to kind of almost see what happens, right? It's like, hey, let's see what this, happens this if is, we put this This is here. really difficult. Like we have a local race where it's like prided to go through sections that are just stupid to ride through on purpose, right? And I'm not saying that Which they're one, doing like anything the one wrong. one-lap race or something? Yes. Okay. And I'm not saying it's necessarily ride. dangerous. It's not it's a race. Just, it's a ride. Whatever. There are situations like that where sometimes race promoters like to kind of, and I'm not getting mad at this particular ride or race, whatever you want to call it, but there are situations where I think race promoters think it's cool almost to just say, hey, here's this really challenging thing, deal with it, but not necessarily specifically say that. Right. Like there's this. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, there is. And and it's. You, you can't. It's leaving yourself open to this sort of thing. Yes, and I think we, what, what this is showing us is that if you're a race promoter, you really need to be careful because guess what? While it might be fun in your eyes to make a cyclocross race super gnarly and have it like, you know, ride through stuff that you would normally do on a mountain bike and say like, oh, well, I rode it or I've seen people ride it or whatever, like it's probably not going to break your bike or whatever. Well, yeah, and it's like, I mean, you there pro- was a Just because you can do it. Doesn't mean that you necessarily should. Like, yeah, really... like there was a cyclocross race here a couple of years ago where the the race went into some single track and it was relatively tame single track, but it was single track. And then you had like a run up or just a, an obstacle you had to jump over. It was a pile of rotten logs. So if you put a foot into that, you were gonna just eat shit. I watched old man Yancey roll his ankle in that pile. Yeah. I swear to you. I mean, because, like, as people were kind of hitting it and jumping over it and stuff, it kind of spread out, and it was just soft, just rotting wood. And it was just a bad idea. Like, someone was going to get hurt. But you just, you got you got to think it through. And there was a race, actually, that happened in Mississippi. That's where John Heron very badly broke his collarbone, and apparently, like, five or six or more people had horrible crashes on this thing. It was a super D race. But they at the end of this thing, at the highest speed part of it, They put a giant kicker, like very poorly designed jump for the conditions for somebody who would be on a mountain bike. And John Heron, who has 
plenty of experience jumping a bike. He jumps shit all the time. Absolutely yard sale crashed this thing. And apparently a whole bunch of other people did too and all got badly hurt. And they ended up taking the thing out. Like, I don't know if they stopped the race then and actually plowed it or if maybe the second day is worth the racing. I don't really know. But in some fashion, they realized that A, they should never have built something like that in that spot, in that type of race. It just obviously didn't belong. Um, but at least somebody at, at some level wised up enough to level it. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's, and this woman is learning the hard way, even if her, you know, her lawsuit is maybe she shouldn't file a lawsuit. You know, I'm not going to go there because like Kenny said, we don't know the exact, like these specifics. And it's probably somewhere in the middle of she was brand new and just didn't get that it was mountain biking or that she totally knew the course and thought that that was going to be a 30 mile an hour section, but instead there was a jump there and she fell off of it. It's somewhere, it's probably somewhere in the middle of that. I think people need to, if you're going to be smart about this and, and look at the different angles and if you want to argue it, you know, whatever, that's fine. But you kind of need at this point with the information we have, you kind of need to leave the person who got hurt out of it. And you need to kind of look at this situation from a race promoter standpoint and say, what do we do right and what do we do wrong in situations? And yeah. how do you, and I, I mean, I hate It's that, like there are just so many people I hate that, you have to cover your ass that I, see that, that it's all her fault and that she doesn't, obviously doesn't know how to ride a mountain bike and needs to go and get back on her tri bike and whatever. I mean, it's, it's a two-sided thing. Like the promoter did some dumb shit and that needs to be just acknowledge that there that was dumb. Shouldn't do that, or you should at least put some sort of signage up indicating that there's some shit you may not expect. You know, and and most promoters do do a pretty good job of of indicating when that's going to happen, but it doesn't all. You know, some of it just they're like, oh, I'm going to put this dumb shit here, and people are going to have a hard time with it. Like Matt smashing his face on the ground. It's like, there's no reason for a cyclocross course to go over a mound of gravelly dirt. Yeah, like, hey, guess what? If you're holding a cross-country race, and there is some, not just a log down, but there is, for example, not even something that would hurt you, but just a, imagine a tree that's got, like, multi-tiers on it. Like, one of those ones where it's got one on the ground, and then one at, like, two feet, and then one at, like, five feet, and it's just, like, this tangled kind of mess. And, yeah, you can get through it, but it's just, like, this giant pain in the ass. Like, why would you leave that on a cross-country course? That that kind of thing doesn't just, belong yeah, on a cross-country yeah, exactly, course, right? exactly. So just be, you know, just be smart about stuff. Like, if if at any point you think what what is here does not belong in this form of racing, then you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. Exactly. Matt, you have anything else to say about that? No. All right. Well, do we have any new shit we probably hate other than... No, uh, we've been going kind of... I think we're kind of late right now. Yeah, now we're 10. Okay. All right. Um, it's too late. It's too long to talk about this, and I have a whole lot of opinions on this next topic, so we'll keep it for next week. But it's all the industry standard stuff that everyone's getting all upset oh, about. Oh, boy. And I know Matt's going to get ultra upset about it, I so actually, I'm going to have a ton of fun. But I don't know any of the new stuff. Is there like 148 coming out? Front and rear axle standards are changing. What's the new one going to be in the front? Uh, it's going to be 110 mil spacing. On road bikes? No. Or no. something? I thought there was a road bike 110 also. Yeah, I think there was talk about that. But it's more focused around uh, a mountain bike setup where you can basically just have a better dished wheel. But I don't want to get too much into it because it's like this whole 
It'll right. be a whole rabbit hole. Well, we can, we can, that's our next week's topic for yeah, new so shit r- that we probably me, hate. I can talk about it for a solid 30 minutes, and I think it means a lot. Like, I think it really is We could just do a Kenny-only episode. It's important to, to have this balance of coming out with new things because they're better versus making something new for the sake of making something new. So it's that whole, that whole balance. And I think it's really intriguing. So, I will tell you this. When I talked to um, Jacob from Industry 9 at Physical Stage Race, I just very quickly in passing, I didn't want to bombard him because I was there to race and he was there to race. And I know that if people, you don't want to mix like work and racing too much. Yes, because like when you're in the industry and you're at an event and you are like actively participating in the event, having more than just small talk about not racing stuff is usually in my personal experience, because people do it to me all the time, it's a little annoying. It's like, like when you're at a bike race and someone comes like, up, they're like, my I, bike wasn't shifting right. Yeah, like when I, I'm like in a race and I'm very apparently like quickly trying to get ready and get all my stuff settled and like get my bike off the rack and like get stretched and do all this stuff and like I'm in kind of like race prep mode and I'm not looking at people and I'm not talking to people. But if someone And came people by, come up to me and they're like, hey, I want to talk to you for a while about building a whole new bike from scratch. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. Like, I'd love to talk to you about that. This is not the time or place but to talk to me about to that. They're like, oh, you, you ride a, uh, a an Ardent and an Icon. And you're like, yeah, I really like them. You're like, they're like, I've tried an Ardent race. And you're like, yeah, I thought it rolled kind of slow. Like, that's the kind of small talk that's like yes, good. You that's know? fine. Or like, hey, um, you know, hey man, I'm really interested in, in building a bike. Like, can we talk about it sometime? I'd be like, cool, that's fine. But some people have no problem, like 100% headfirst diving, like right in while I'm very apparently like not in that mode. And that's really, uh, that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. So, uh, but anyways, I asked him real quick. I was like, hey, um, is there an option to make my, my, uh, my torch classic hubs, you know, Torch 32-hole hubs into 11-speed road, and he goes, no. And I'm like, well, y'all ever make that free hub? He goes, nope. He's like, you got to move the wheel over, and you lose 10% of your stiffness. And I'm like, and just that quick, Jacob, like, dropped a knowledge bob on me. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. So, like, <laughs> it was that simple. Like, he told me, no, you'll lose 10% of your stiffness. We're not doing it. And I was like, oh. So, like, he was very efficient in giving me, like, a good answer, and... But I didn't, like, pester him. I, I, didn't, I wasn't like, well, how did you test it? How did you figure this out? Like, oh, oh, can I see that the That would numbers? be really cool to know. Yeah, like, is there, oh, what did you do? Did you, like, build a new free hub or, like, put some new spacers on there? Or, like, did you just, like, put a, like, through axle on there and then space it over like it was done like that and then, like, test the stiffness of it? Like, how did you do it? Like, I didn't get into all that with him, you know, but, um, so I think that's really cool. So when you're going wider, it's obviously going better and... We've, I've gotten a couple of feedback emails about 29 plus and everyone's like the way that 29 plus doesn't suck is 29 plus built on the fat bike standard. So that's the 135. Is that right? Front hub? Um, yeah, I think so. Wait, which one now? Uh, like a fat bike? A, fi- a fat bike front hub standard is a 135 Oh, hub, no, right? there's a thousand standards, Okay, but but building it on 135 something... is quite common. They've got everything, though. Anything you can imagine, they have a, They have one, so... Um, and then, like, a, a 150 rear, which is pretty common, right? 150, 170, 190. Maybe it was 170. But anyways, but a wide rear and a wide front... Sure. ...really improves the dish, really helps with the fatter tire. Absolutely. But... I just can't imagine it. Yeah. And again, we'll get into this, but it's kind of like... Industry standard. I think people... The way I like to look at it, because I love 
technology. I like new things that have a purpose. Like if somebody did something and there is a maybe not actual measurable, but if you can see like, oh, I could see there being a benefit to that. Like, okay, I think that's kind of cool. What I like to do is look at a bike as a whole and try to find that weak link. Like what's, what could be improved if, you know, if I was given, forget the industry for a second and forget finding manufacturers to make whatever you want. If I could change something and make it better or lighter or stronger or stiffer or whatever it is, like what would it be? And I like looking at stuff that way. Like since the beginning of time, I knew that quick releases sucked balls on mountain bikes. I hate them and I know why they existed, but like, I'm so happy that we all are on like through axles. Like they're just, Dude, I'm not going to lie. I still hate through axles. And that's fine. And, and I'll tell you why through. Okay. Let me, let me put it this way. Through axles that do not have a hub lip built into the. So let's say your wheel is the male portion. I agree. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's the reason why. 142 rear axle standard is actually a 135 outer lock nut distance. Because it's, of the, the, the they, shells. Yeah. Or they, the, they add seven mil to make it a lip so that it has a positive engagement and you can just slam the wheel up into the frame and it stops where it's yes. supposed to stop. Yes, I agree. Like that's the actual, the original 12 by 135 standard is awful. Like they, you can see, you know, you always see options for those on hubs. I never see them on bikes, but apparently they existed at some point in time. Um, it's an awful standard. And what that is, is you have to like magically hold the wheel up in the perfect spot and then fish the axle through. Like I would hate that. That's horrible. Um, I mean, I even have trouble with normal 142. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what I've never, like you told me not to do 142 and I, I've never had, had any problem. I do like yeah, every time. And this is what we'll, we'll talk. I don't want to get too far into this. And I know it's fun because we have different opinions of these for different reasons, but no, y'all are all wrong. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But I just, I get a little irritated when people, it's the same damn comments over and over again. It's like, they can't make me buy this new standard and all this shit. And I'm like, I want to just, I want to backhand slap these people in the damn face. Open hand slap them without baby powder. Yeah. Can you Charles slap a hoe? Like, come on. Like, I don't care what you buy. The industry is not making you do shit. If you have eight speed on your mountain bike and you love it, they with, still, with they, dummies. they still make eight speed stuff. They make eight speed cassettes and eight speed chains and it's shifters. It's plastic and it sucks, but, but it's still there. It. You can buy it like until the end of time. You can buy that stuff. So, I mean, you can go to J&B and you can still buy five-speed freewheels. So what it, what it like, means to me is that person, they see that new product, they know they want it deep down inside, and they, <laughs> and they realize that they can't afford it, and then they get pissed off and they try to mask their hatred with saying that... Is this like when rednecks beat up gay people? Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. You know? I really have to pee, so we've got to end yeah. the episode now. Because well, that, that can't be anyway. the episode after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening to Just Riding Along, brought to you by I Really Have to Pee, so we're ending the episode now. And 